The Athletic. Rangers began the 2012-13 season in the fourth tier of Scottish football, scrapping it out with the likes of Annan Athletic and Elgin City. It was a brutal wake-up call after almost a century and a half at the top. And I think Bennett Rangers fully deserve the point they've picked up. Credit to Ian Little and his players. Ali McCoy knows Rangers are off their game today. Now you might think that it would be easy enough for a top-flight side filled with top-flight players to prevail in the lower leagues. On paper, it shouldn't even be a contest. Alas, football is not played on paper. Inside on to Rory McAllister, lovely touch, great turn, fabulous finish. In this episode, we head down to the fourth division and ask why did Rangers make such hard work of an apparently easy task? What's Ali McCoist's lasting legacy? And importantly, was any of it fun? I'm your host, Daily Barber. Welcome to Beyond the Headline, the fall and rise of Rangers. It wasn't so much a football match you were involved in as a test of manhood. It's just the fact that they were now playing in stadiums where a ball could feasibly get stuck in a hedge. The phrase that was coined, these are the banter years. Part two, the restart. The way that I'd been brought up in the, in the football and sort of education, being at Kilmarnock as a youth and going out on loans to the lower leagues, being at Queen of the South and Montrose when I was younger. So I'd had a feel for these lower leagues and understood them. This is Cami Bell. He's a goalkeeper and he signed for Rangers in their second season of exile. But then we had a lot of other players that had maybe been educated through the the youth setup at Rangers or or that came from an English setup and 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 they were they were the ones that probably didn't realise what East Fife was all about, what Stranraer was all about, these boggy pitches and, and winds blowing a gale when we've not got, as I say, you're used to playing in stadiums that are 20, 25,000, big stands that cover the wind a little bit. Next minute you're in elements where you've maybe only got one stand at a stadium and the wind's blowing right through, the pitch is boggy. So there's a lot of difficult challenges that face in these lower leagues and it, it almost... It looks very easy from the outside, but as soon as you have to go to a Sonar on a Tuesday night and it's been raining for days on end, but they want to get the game on because it's on telly and they're getting a lot of finances from it, it's, it throws up so many sort of elements that can that can come against us as a, as a team. As one player at Rangers at that time said to me, it wasn't so much a football match you were involved in as a test of manhood. Stuart Weir was head of sport for the Glasgow Herald at this time. He remembers it all like it was yesterday. You had guys basically trying to tackle you around the knees and think they could get away with it because, well, that that was just the way you know, football matches were played at that level. I was actually oddly excited because my one of my good mates from home played for Annan Athletic. This is presenter of the Totally Scottish Football Show, Andrew Slaven. And I kind of thought, well, he's going to get to play against Rangers. In a funny way, there was a lot of teams in the fourth division that were probably excited because of the amount of support that would come down and play at that level around about four times a season. So there was, there was a lot of money that ended up getting flooded into the lower leagues because of that amount of support. It was just a bizarre scenario, but one in a way that 
Throughout all of it, if there was anything that Rangers had to atone for, they certainly did it by just getting stuck in and, and doing what they needed to do on the pitch to try and win football games and get themselves back into the, the, the top flight. And they, it was it was a really, really weird time. One that I think it was the, the phrase that was coined, these are the banter years. If it wasn't for what happened to Rangers in 2012, there's a good chance that we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because I've built what I do largely off the back of the material that Rangers provided on a regular basis for a good few years. Meet Adam Miller, better known as Twitter's at Old Firm Facts. Rangers' rapid descent into the lower leagues and their tortured climb back out provided no shortage of entertainment, and it's allowed Adam to build a bit of a following. Of course, it all started, like any good football story, with a stuck ball. I think everyone remembers one of the most iconic images of Rangers' uh, sort of journey from the bottom back to the, the top was the, I think it was the first game and the ball gets stuck in the hedge at Brechin. And it was, you, you just, it was just the perfect visual symbol of how far Rangers had fallen. You know, it was regardless of the calibre of opposition they were playing against or the, the players that Rangers were, were forced to put out in that team. It's just the fact that they were now playing in stadiums where a ball could feasibly get stuck in a hedge. Not that the supporters found it particularly amusing and the novelty wore off quite quickly. The support put a brave face on it, myself included. Ross McAdam is a former board member of the Rangers Supporters Trust, who travelled home and away in the dark years. And, you know, there was a hashtag on Twitter at the time of this is fun um, to, to kind of explain the journey and we were, we were going to enjoy it and embrace it. Um, and I definitely bought into that. You know, I was I was looking forward to, to some of the some of the trips to these away grounds and this is fun quickly, quickly became this is not much fun. At a time of unprecedented upheaval and chaos, the club could at least rely on the presence of one of their greatest heroes. Ali McCoyce joined Rangers in 1983 and swiftly won the hearts of the fans. Good-looking, affable and a clinical finisher, he scored freely throughout the 80s and 90s, ending his career with a record 355 goals. A record that's unlikely to be broken. He became assistant manager to Walter Smith in 2007 and took over from him in 2011. But while he would spend his playing career at the top of the Scottish game, his managerial career would be very, very different. I think that's something that Ali McCoist would never have wanted to have to deal with. Hayley McQueen was the presenter of Sky Sports Scottish football coverage. He is, of course, a legend of the club and would have just wanted to go in there and just be a coach. He's such a fun guy with such a great personality and is very much a manager that is a coach as opposed to a manager that is, you know, you kind of have like a business manager. You've got different types of managers. I think he'd have just wanted to go in, have everybody else deal with the mess and he just concentrate on the football. But unfortunately, um, what was happening off the pitch was, of course, affecting him as well. And I'm sure he was involved in, in meetings and with stuff that he probably didn't even want to have to be dealing with. And as a man who is so, you know, engrossed in the club and is very much Rangers, I, I think it probably hurt him as well to have to go through it, through a lot of this, but it was just a big old mess where he was trying to just keep things together on the pitch. But again, it was just such an impossible task, even for the great Ali McCoyst. Ali was 
fantastic uh, manager. Cammy Bell, former Rangers goalkeeper. I think he, he was managing a club in probably the hardest time of their history. People, If people understood what he had to go through and the battles he had to face daily, people try to get him out of the club. People try to stab him in the back. When he was manager of this football club, um, they would understand that he'd done a fantastic job. It wasn't in normal circumstances where you are a manager of a football club and you're working with your hierarchy and everyone's going in the same, pulling in the same direction and wanting the club to go forward. That wasn't happening at Rangers at that point. There was people who were self-invested and, and, and wanting to to get things for themselves. They weren't particularly bothered about the football club. They were more looking after themselves and, and Ali had to deal with all this and um, it, was, it was really hard for him. Um, but a, a great, great guy and a very, very good manager. For me, he is one of the reasons that Rangers are back and are on the verge of, of being you know, a major force to be reckoned with once again. Emma Dodds is a presenter at Rangers TV. Not many people would have stayed at the club in that environment under the circumstances behind the scenes. Um, with the pressure, of course, of having to deliver success immediately. Again, you look at the resources, I know it was expected, but it, it was such a traumatic thing that had happened to the club that you know, the, the pressure was tenfold on what it would have been in, in the Premier League at the time as it was then. So Ali McCoy is a, is a man who has Rangers very close to his heart. He has the interests of the club very close to his heart. He's, you know, he's, he's played for the club. He's won with the club. He knows exactly what the club means to everybody associated with it. And I think if it hadn't been for Ali McCoy to steer Rangers through those particularly troubled waters, then I actually think it could have taken a lot longer to, to return to where they are now. But not everyone sees McCoist's managerial period with such rose-tinted glasses. Journalist and Rangers supporter Finlay Marks doesn't remember it so fondly. During his tenure, we kind of limped our way, I would say, up through the divisions, despite having being at times the only professional team in certain leagues. And we really didn't kick on, but the club didn't have the infrastructure. So I guess he was kind of hamstrung by that. I think the one thing I would say about Ali McCoist is that he was the perfect person at that time, as weird as it sounds, we didn't really need a football manager at the time. I think what we needed was a figurehead and Ali McCoist is adored by the Rangers support. I think he was at times the glue that kind of held Rangers together. You know, at the time Rangers didn't have a youth system, they didn't have a scouting department, they had absolutely nothing going into the third division. and. For all of his ability or, or lack of ability as a football manager, I think off the park, McCoist really held and galvanised the support at times. I think you've got to separate Ali McCoist, the, well, the player, and Ali McCoist, the manager. Ross McAdam. And almost actually a third one, not Ali McCoist, the, the personality. As I'll just look, talk about him as a manager, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not going to reflect well uh, on him, that's for sure. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he hasn't been a manager since since the Parton Rangers in, in 2014. And he was talking about it recently, I think, said it was the right job at the wrong time. Adam Miller. It didn't go to plan McCoyst down for McCoyst when, when he was the Rangers manager and he didn't seem to be enjoying himself. And the one thing that you associate with Ali McCoyst is, you know, playing the game with a smile on his face. And now as a pundit, he's still got that kind of glow about him and that, that enjoyment. But it, it wasn't really evident when he was at Rangers. And I think 
he was talking about how he wasn't sleeping at the time, he wasn't eating right, because every day he was waking up to another news headline, there was some other kind of charlatan or rogue who was getting involved behind the scenes at Rangers and causing trouble, and that was having a, a direct impact on what was going on on the pitch, and there was a general air of gloom around Rangers for so much of that period when McCoist was in charge. Not all of the players wanted to stay and start the journey from the bottom, but the ones who did will always be remembered. It was a shame because there were quite a few players that were kind of in the prime of their career. Finlay Marks. So it's understandable they didn't want to wait around for three or four years to to see Rangers back into the top flight. I think that was understandable. I think the players that did stay will always have a kind of special place in the hearts of Rangers fans, regardless of how good they were or what they went on to achieve during that period. I think the two that stand out to me are Lee McCulloch, who I think kind of felt that he'd, he'd made his money in football and he was getting towards the, the end of his career and he just wanted to to help the club transition through that period. And the other was Lee Wallace, who was the captain at the time, who um, stuck with the club all the way through that. And I think that, to Rangers fans' loyalty, is a huge thing. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The novelty of lower league football soon wore off, though. Rangers opened their league campaign with a 4-0 thumping of East Fife, but then dropped points away at Peterhead and Berwick Rangers. Then in October, they were beaten for the first time in the bottom flight, losing 1-0 away at Stirling Albion. So much of the football on show for Rangers at that point was just grim and it was just a case of getting the results. Adam Miller at Old Firm Facts. I think Rangers fans were just ticking off the games until they could get out of those divisions and there were a lot of players there on really good wages who, you know, could have been playing at a much higher level Uh, and I think the assumption was that they would come down to that level on a decent wage and just strolled our way through it. But it was, I think, a badge of honour for every other team playing against Rangers to get stuck into these guys. Ross McAdam remembers those grim first few months. It took us till Halloween to, to win our first away game in Division 3. We've got guys here, you know, look, it wasn't it wasn't a, the Rangers side that had been playing in the top flight the season before in the sense of we'd lost a lot of good players. But we still had guys on five figures, four figures a week playing against guys that are, you know, effectively coming coming in from their work and, and playing and playing uh, and coming in to play football for 20 or 50 quid a week type thing. There's all these rumours that players are getting paid X amount of money and huge salaries compared to the, the part-time players most of the time that we faced in that league. Um, so straight away there's that. Cammy Bell. Everyone thinks you're an arrogant player and you're, 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 you've got a personality that doesn't appreciate where you are but um, that wasn't the case it was it was really difficult because we, we had a good bunch of boys and boys that played at the SPL level for several years and been successful and Rangers seen that as the route to getting them out of League One basically that that was ultimately they signed all these players including myself to get out of League One and it was it was really challenging because I mean I was used to going to Tynecastle and Ibrox and Selic Park and even Kilmarnock and they're big stadiums and you've got thousands and thousands of people there 
Um, and there's always a, a distance between the player and the pitch. There's, you're never that tight and you, and you end up at Stranraer and you've got guys who can lean over and touch you when you're taking a goal kick. But slowly, Rangers grew accustomed to their surroundings. They won every game in November and December and didn't lose again until March when they went down 2-1 to Annan Athletic at Ibrox in front of 34,000 far-from-impressed supporters. The title, though, was confirmed on March the 30th with a goalless draw at Montrose, an appropriate ending to a pretty miserable season. The following season was far more straightforward. Rangers didn't drop points until a Boxing Day meeting with Stranraer. In fact, Rangers only dropped six points all season, scoring 106 goals in the process. But again, this was only ever what they were expected to do. I totally understand the expectations of of, of the Rangers fans. And, and when I was there at the time, I expected to, to win every single game. But when you were in that environment and in that place at that time, it was really difficult to win every single game. It was a real thankless task because I remember winning a game, I can't remember who against, but we won 2-0 and we almost got grumbled and not booed, but there was a lot of grumblings coming off the pitch and we'd won 2-0. But that's the expectation. They want to see once you beat one team 8-0, they expect that every single week. And, and it's, it's really difficult to do. I mean, you see Rangers nowadays, they, they, they've spent a huge amount of money in the rush. Brilliant, brilliant team, with massive force. And, and if they go to a, an East Fife scenario, they'll not blow them away, no, they'll not. It's, 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 it's more difficult than, than it looks on paper anyways. Nevertheless, Rangers made short work of the third tier and kicked off the 2015-16 season in the Scottish Championship. One promotion away from a return to the top flight. Unfortunately, their timing was awful. As they went up, Edinburgh's hearts and hibs came down. Rangers now faced a much tougher task for automatic promotion. A task that some think shouldn't have been as difficult as they made it out to be. To go down there at the same time as hibs and hearts, still, in terms of the resources, I don't think... I don't think Rangers... should have been expected to struggle as much as they did in the championship. Finlay Marks. Hearts kind of had known they were going down because they'd uh, been docked, I think, 12 points the year before. So what they'd decided to do was to basically just play youngsters for the tail end of the season. They knew they were going down into the championship, which meant when they hit the championship, they already had a squad that was used to playing together and they had some exciting younger players that were there and they kind of, you know, steamrollered their way back up Um Rangers kind of every year that they went up a division almost sold an entire first team and bought a new one in so that they could try and progress up through the levels. I wanted to be part of this this journey and the this season that I knew was going to be so difficult. Cammy Bell suffered a serious shoulder injury early in the season. And I wanted to try and influence it and affect it. And I was in good form before I got injured as well. I was really enjoying my time. Um, I knew it was going to be a hard season. I knew it was going to be an important season for me personally as a goalkeeper for Rangers. We had, as you say, Hearts, Hibs, Falkirk with big, big teams in the league. So it was it was devastating. It was difficult to watch. And then it was really hard to watch the, the sort of team start to fail a little bit. Um, the pressure build, the negativity build, the unrest in the boardroom build. And it was just, it was a hard place to be. It was, it was um, the whole club was feeling this pressure from 
externally, internally, the whole lot. It was just, it, it was really, it was a real, probably a moment that I look back and go, Rangers were in a real mess then in that season. Rangers recovered from an opening day defeat to Hearts to embark on a decent run of form through the autumn. They were keeping pace with the Edinburgh side until mid-November when the wheels came off. They lost again to Hearts, then they lost to part-time Aloha Athletic in the League Cup. It precipitated a messy end to the reign of Ali McCoist, who was drained by three years of constant infighting and intolerable pressure. And after three and a half years in charge of his club, Ali McCoist resigned. Rangers manager Ali McCoist has tendered his resignation. In March 2015, with their league form disintegrating, Stuart McCall was appointed interim manager until the end of the season. I've never known the morale or the atmosphere at a club as sort of low and downbeating my entire football career. And this is the man himself, Stuart McCall. And they were just such a, a flatness, but obviously that was, you know, that was the new board had just got in, so there was a little bit of a a lift from the supporters in a way, and I think we just needed to to start sort of well and, and, and you know, get everyone up and running. But I think the biggest thing was to lift the players and, and the mentality and the morale. Rangers limped into the playoffs where they would meet Motherwell from the Premiership in the final. It didn't go well. We barely make it to the playoffs. Finlay Marks. Where there's a, a hugely aggressive defeat over two, two legs to Motherwell, which ends with, you know, players fighting and pitch invasions and all sorts. We've gone from nil-nil being on top of a game and, 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 and playing quite well and not them looking no threat at all to being 3-0 down. Stuart McCall. Listen, the away leg, as much as you know, people remember maybe Cammy struggling and, and, and slipping. and But I, I said afterwards, you know, it, we never... I mean, we played Boyd and, and Kenny up top, but I think we went 4-4-2 because we needed to win the game by two goals. We needed to get two goals. but And, and even... You know, we were going at at nil nil. Um, I went in at half time, nil nil, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we just didn't look like scoring. Motherwell game, obviously, again, I made a, a huge error in the second leg. Irwin off to the left. Goes through the middle, though. Marvin Johnson. Defenders backing off. Took a deflection. Crucified for it. That's Cammy Bell. He'd worked so hard to recover from injury, and now everything was falling apart in the last game of the season. To be honest, we knew we were up against it going into the game. We knew it was going to be really difficult to overturn that first leg, um, and especially when we didn't score early in the first half. We didn't score in the first half, it was 0 0, and we knew we were up against it. We were kind of going to have to try and go out there, but everyone was absolutely devastated. There was so many uncertainties. Stuart McCall was in his manager, didn't know if he was getting a job. Um, the board was had, was sort of changing at that point as well. There was there was everything was there was still so much going on. There was so many uncertainties, but everyone was just devastated. Um, we got so close, but it just didn't make over the line. So now that Rangers start to celebrate the culmination of a journey that took them to the very bottom of Scottish football, you might be wondering if there is any resentment from the players who took them back up to the top. I think it was part of the journey. I honestly do. I think where Rangers started in League Two to where they are now, every single piece that's put together, every success and every failure 
was part of the journey. It was part of the process that needed to happen. Where they are now is is is, is not the end of the process. It, of course, it's not because they've got many years of success ahead of them, and and European success, hopefully, cup success. It's just the league they're, they're, they're taking at the moment, which is fantastic. But it, for me, it was all part of the process that needed to happen because when Rangers were in League Two, they were in a mess. At the top, they were in a mess. And and it, it was a huge process that there was going to be ups and downs. The fans, the most consistent thing that happened with that club from that period of time was the fans stayed with them. The fans stayed with them from the bottom all the way to the top. And that's that's the people for me that that deserve the success that they're going to get, and the 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 feeling that they've missed for so long. Um, and and when they get it, they're, they're more than entitled to celebrate as much as the, they want and as much as they can. Um, but I really do. I just think it was a process that needed to happen. Stuart McCall. Listen, no regrets about taking it. People say, oh, maybe you shouldn't have took it that time. Not at all. It was the proudest moment ever to be asked to go in and, 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 and to try to help and change things around. And I think I'd say, other than the, the main fucking event, we, we did that in the way that we did change the atmosphere of the club. Next time, Rangers would eventually return to the top flight in 2016, but they did it under a new manager, Mark Warburton. And it turned out getting back to the Premiership was a lot easier than winning the Premiership. Absolutely, you would never resign from a club like Rangers, ever. Pedro Cachinha brought through Alfredo Morelos. I think a lot of people forget that. Sometimes there's a certain calibre of manager, a certain aura around someone, and he never really had that. This is part two of four of Beyond the Headline, The Fall and Rise of Rangers. All four parts are available to listen to now and ad-free via the Athletic app. If you're not already a subscriber, then go to theathletic.com forward slash beyond to claim your sign-up offer. The Fall and Rise of Rangers was produced by Abby Patterson. The episodes were written by Ian McIntosh and Nick Miller. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh.